Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Let's give a warm welcome to Reverend Michael Lusk. Amen. Praise God. Good morning, everybody. We love all of you, and it's just so good to be with all of you, so many friends and family. We really feel this church is our church home, even though we moved to Texas. You know, before we moved down there, the Lord really spoke to our hearts, and I I was feeling sad about leaving Michigan, and the Lord really put it in my heart that our sphere was going to expand to include Texas, but that we weren't leaving Michigan behind, and we really feel that that's the case, and We've just got so many lifelong relationships here. Uh, My wife, Christine, and I, today is our 18th wedding anniversary. Amen. So I won't be preaching long, praise God. Little joke there. How many of you were there when we got married? Some of you were there that day. Yeah. We still hung around. Yeah, you were there too, Christina. That was pretty cool. Praise God. Um, That mission report that you just saw was from the nation of Benin in West Africa, and it's just been amazing to see how God has continually opened doors time and time again into that nation. It's a a place that many haven't even heard of, very few have been there, and has received very little attention in the line of evangelism, but we're happy that God's using our ministry to change that. And so in the video you saw there was the... uh, Vanguard Summit. Now, Vanguard is an organization we founded last year. In fact, we did the launch right here at Faith City at our, our banquet. And Vanguard is an organization that we, we focus on identifying frontline national evangelists, men and women that are out there in many times their home nation, working with a particular ethnic group. Uh, sometimes, you know, these nations, Benin, to give you an example, it's smaller than the state of Michigan, and there's over 60 languages spoken all over that, that country. And so it would be you know, akin to going to the next county and, and the people speak a language that you can't understand, they don't understand you. And so many times these evangelists are working with uh, their native language. Many of these gentlemen and ladies you know, handle three, four, or five languages. And they're going into village settings where they have no churches at all places where there's no witness of Christ. It might be a village that's completely Muslim or completely Vodun or or what would be uh, voodoo practitioners. And so there's just a great opportunity for harvest. And as we find these men and women and give them portable sound systems, it's just amplifying the work that they do. And we're just hearing fantastic reports. While I was there in country, uh, in the evening, we would do the open air festival that you saw. And you know, some of the images weren't maybe the clearest because the lighting is always poor, but you can feel the heart of what God's doing in those places. And in the daytime hours, these evangelists with their sound systems would form teams of two or three and go out into small village settings, market settings around the area and just share the good news about Jesus and who he is. And, and uh, in one place they went, the a gentleman came to him and said, I want you to tell me about Jesus, tell me what you know about Jesus, because I've heard that name for many, many years, maybe my whole life, but I've never understood who Jesus is. Tell me who Jesus is. And they shared the gospel with him. And another place they went, they found a woman 
that was bedridden, just lying on the ground for 38 years. We don't know exactly what was wrong with her, but a, a paralytic condition, handicapped condition. And they began to share with her, just these two evangelists, one-on-one, just sharing the gospel. And this woman explained to them that she had tried everything she could with the witch doctors, with the voodoo. And, you know, so voodoo is, is not like what we see in, in movies in America. It's just an evil, terrible thing that comes straight from hell where they'll take, you know, sacrifice babies and just all kinds of unbelievable things. And this woman had given all of her best to the devil and what he could do. And just like the lady in the Bible, she, she didn't get any better. She grew worse. And, and so these witnesses of Jesus, these evangelists were there and they said, well, you've given the devil everything you can and he's not been able to help you. Why don't you give Jesus an opportunity to work in your life? And so they led her to renounce all of that, you know, the works of the enemy and to confess Jesus and to receive Jesus. And she said, Jesus, come into me, heal me now. And that woman, after almost 40 years, was able to stand up and walk around. And so you can imagine the, the, nose, the, 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 nose, the news that went around the village as that miracle, a notable miracle, happened right there in that small setting. And so uh, these evangelists were getting reports, it seems like almost every week, pictures and, and updates from them of places they're going and sharing Jesus, churches they're planning, and people that are getting born again, people that are getting healed. And so it's just a really amazing thing. And, and in Benin alone, we've been able to sponsor 83 national evangelists with portable sound systems and over 200 globally in 10 nations around the world. So God's just doing great things, and uh, we're just blessed to be part of it. I was supposed to actually be getting back from Democratic Republic of Congo last night. Some of you were aware of that mission. Uh, some of you may not be aware that we weren't able to go, and the reason was because and this has only happened really one other time. We were never given visas, and so me and two other gentlemen that were going to be traveling with me as part of that team, uh, all three of us, none of us got our visas. We were calling Washington, sending emails, trying to. We had people. Some of you might have seen a post I put on Facebook. Does anybody know any high-ranking officials in the Congolese government? And, you know, most people probably saw that and thought, well, yeah, what are the chances? But actually, we, we knew enough people that we did get some connections, but uh, to no avail. And so that mission was postponed. But despite that, we really don't know what happened there. Uh, we believe it's probably some government infighting. I, I know you can't imagine what it'd be like if politicians didn't get along with each other, but... That sometimes happens in these really backward places. Uh, so that's what we think happened. Uh, but God's work and God's purposes always prevail. And so despite that, we still were able to sponsor there in, in Congo 21 evangelists there with portable sound systems. And we're, even though we couldn't give them out in person like we like to do, uh, those evangelists are out there now empowered, their voices amplified to share Jesus in places. Uh, in Congo, they still have, you've heard of the pygmies. The pygmies are still there living in, in Stone Age civilization. Many of those villages have never been uh, reached with the gospel. And so it's just an awesome thing what God is doing. Amen. But we're here today for a purpose. You're here for a purpose. And so I want to I share from my heart this morning. 
and uh, just allow the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to us. How many of you have gotten a picture of Jesus at some point in your life? You've, you've had Jesus reveal himself to you in some way, whether it's through his word, through a sermon, just through the work of the Holy Spirit. How many of you would say that you could stand to get to see a little bit more of Jesus in your life? I think we're all there. And if you can see Jesus, you'll never be the same. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity uh, as we get to gather around your word, as we're in this place where we're setting time aside and setting ourselves apart to allow your spirit to work in us. And Holy Spirit, we do open ourselves to you. And we ask you to reveal Jesus to us. Jesus, you told us you'd send the spirit to us so that he could remind us of the things that you shared with us so that he could guide us into all truth. And we know that truth, that's you. You are truth. You are hope. You are life. So we come to you today, Lord, we ask you, let us see you like we've never seen you before. Let us see you in your word. Let us see you through the activity of your spirit. Let us see you in ourselves and in others. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Not too long ago, I took some time and did something. I don't know if I'd ever quite done it this way, but uh, took a kind of a personal retreat, just a one-day set aside to go out and just be really in a wilderness area down in Texas. It's not hard to find wilderness in Texas. And just went to a, a state park there and, and with the purpose of just spending time with the Lord and getting away with, with him and just shutting everything off, kind of like you were talking about, Pete and, and Pastor Andy, you know, unplugging. I think it's something that we probably don't do often enough today in our culture. We're so plugged in, bombarded with, with stimuli and, and sensory input of every kind, you know, constantly. And I don't know if we really appreciate the toll that that can take on our, our person, on our, our soul. And so it's just good to, to get away and pull away and really get quiet and be with God. And, and that's what I did. And, you know, I just didn't really look at the clock, had the, the cell phone shut off. And so time just kind of stands still. And, and when you're like that, you know, and I just got quiet and I just really wanted to let God speak to me. I found a, a kind of a deserted coastline of a lake there and just sat under a tree. And I don't know how long I was there, but just allowed God to talk to me. And, you know, God speaks to us in different ways. And even through the creation, God can, can speak to us and, and impress things on us. But I was just saturated there as I thought about God's love for me. And I know that could sound selfish maybe, but we all think about God's love for others, but I think maybe sometimes we, we just don't accept that love for ourselves. And I just really was imbibed with the love of God in a way that really impacted me. And that love, you know, when you get that love, a revelation of that love of God, it's not something that you're going to hoard and keep to yourself. The, the natural response to that is you want to give that away to others. And I want to talk about the love of God today. It's something that we've heard about 
If you've been in church since Sunday school, you heard about the love of God, you sang songs about the love of God. And it could sound so passe, something that's been talked about so much, and yet there's a richness and there's a depth in that that I think it's worthwhile for us to revisit it and to look at it again, amen? When you look at humanity, you know, the places that I go in, in the world, one of the common features of these false religions, dead religions, man-made religions, is that God is always someone to be feared. He's always the one that you are afraid of, that you, you never want to really have an encounter with because judgment is waiting for you there. And the creation, even the creation accounts of so many of these religions, it's, it's not a loving picture of a loving, creating Father God. It's something that, you know, you, know, you come from the, the beast or the animal or the spirits had a fight and then man was the unexpected byproduct or the goddess, you know, aborted a fetus and it hatched an egg and turned into a man. I mean, all these really demeaning concepts of the, the origin of humanity. But when you look at the Bible and you see the Christian account of the creation and the origin of man and woman, you see that you and I were created as the product of God's love. Now that's something that maybe we take for granted, but I want you to take a moment and appreciate that, that you and I are not here by accident. We're not the result of just some random scientific occurrence. We're not just an accident that that our parents weren't expecting. We're the product of God's love. God loved you personally so much that he created you so that he could have you and be with you forever. That's the purpose of people. That's your purpose and my purpose is to, to love God, to experience his love and to be with him forever. So humanity is the product of God's love. You know, we even see that you know, in the natural order that God created, the ideal the way God intended for it to be, for life to come into this world is for a man and a woman to have a loving relationship that produces life, a life-giving relationship. And, and so we see that reflected, that love, true love, real love, is what produces life in us, and it's God's love that started all of it. Love is our native environment. If you see a dysfunctional home, if you see a society that's at odds, the people rival factions fighting with one another. You're observing a place where love is not allowed to express itself. You're seeing a place where love is not the environment, where love has been taken out of the environment and sucked out of the atmosphere. Love is what God created you and I to live in. Love is what we live on. Love was our beginning. In the creation we see that. And love is our finality. If you look at the, the book of Revelation, when it's all wrapped up, the purpose of God for people everywhere was that they would receive his love, reciprocate their love to him, and through that relationship, they would live with him forever and enjoy all of his blessings and all of his benefits. Amen? Amen. Let's go over to 1 John. 1 John chapter 4, and John, they called him the apostle of love. And I think the reason that John had such a revelation of love is because he saw Jesus like nobody else maybe had ever seen Jesus. 
The Bible tells us in, in Revelation, that first chapter, that John was on the Isle of Patmos for his testimony of Jesus. And the Roman authorities at that time were threatened by the message of the gospel. Just like any human institution today that tries to control people will always be threatened by the gospel because the gospel takes the chains off of man and the chains off of woman. It, it releases them into freedom, and so you can't subjugate a person that believes the gospel. You cannot dominate the person that believes in the gospel. And so human powers, corrupted human powers, are always threatened by the gospel, and that's the same way it is today. But John was there on that desert island, but he didn't have the professor there to make radios out of coconuts. He didn't have anybody there to help him. I mean, it was a place that probably, uh, literally, even to this day, doesn't have hardly any vegetation at all. I mean, you could barely survive. You're essentially sent there to die. And church historians will tell us that John was probably already in his 80s by that time. And so they expected him to die. They had already, in fact, tried to kill him by boiling him in a cauldron of oil. And by a, just by a miracle, he survived that. And so they couldn't kill him that way. So they said, okay, we'll just send him off to, to this desert island. And it said that on the Lord's day, he was in the spirit. And he writes about this encounter he had where Jesus manifested himself to John. Now, John had walked with Jesus. John was his friend. John, you know, he was called the beloved, or he called himself the beloved anyway, but he knew it. He knew he was loved. And he walked with Jesus very closely, very, very intimate relationship, friendship that they had. He had seen Jesus risen from the dead. He'd, he had seen Jesus ascend back to the Father. I mean, he was, he was tight with Jesus. And yet that day, he had a deeper revelation of Jesus, one that was greater even than any up to that point. And when Jesus appeared to him, John said that he fell down as if he was dead, right on the ground. The, the strength left him before the awesomeness of that presence and that, that force. I mean, you, you want to talk about charisma. Jesus has some charisma that you and I have never seen or, or touched. And he fell down as one dead, it says, and Jesus revealed himself, and he said, I am the beginning and the end, the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. And John said that his eyes were like a flame of fire. Now, so often when we think about fire, we think, ooh, that sounds angry. That sounds like wrath and judgment. But I don't believe it was. My friend, T.L. Osborne, he's with the Lord now, but when he was a young man back in 1947, I believe, he had an encounter with Jesus very similar to what John experienced in Revelation. And my friend T.L. said that he was, he was in bed, just getting up. It was 6 o'clock in the morning. And as he was just getting out of the bed, all of a sudden, Jesus appeared in his bedroom. And just like John did, he said he fell down on the ground, couldn't move even a finger or toe, he was totally paralyzed, but not in torment, not in suffering. And he said he just, could just look at Jesus, and he looked in Jesus' eyes, he said it was like a blue-colored flame that was coming out of his eyes, but he said it wasn't a fire of anger, it was not 
wrath. It wasn't anything like that. He said it was this love that just pierced right into him that could see everything inside of him but still loved him and there was no shame, no sense of inferiority, just acceptance. And he said that love just went right to the center, just to the core of his being. And from that moment, he was never the same. His ministry was, was impacted, and, and you can see the evidence of that. But what I mean to say is just like T.L. and just like John in the Bible, if you and I can have a greater revelation of Jesus and a greater revelation of his love for you, it'll change your life forever. And I want to read in 1 John chapter 4 as you turn there with me. It's up on the screen. Verse 8. Now, if you grew up and you're about my age, there's going to be a song that's going to pop into your mind when you read this, but that's okay. Just go with it. He who does not love God does not know God, for God is love. So often in our circles, we talk about faith, we talk about power, we talk about miracles and different things. But God didn't identify himself as faith. He didn't say, I am hope. He didn't say any of those things, but he did say, I am love. Love is the self-definition God gives to himself. I think it's important when we come to God to, to approach him according to who he says he is. And God says unequivocally, I am love. God is love. Verse 9, in this the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Manifested. God's love isn't hidden. It's not hard to find. It's not difficult to come across it. God's love is everywhere you can look. You can find the love of God if your heart's open to it. His love was not hidden in a book. His love was not given to just a select few. His love was manifested, it says, toward all of us when he sent his son to us. Verse 10, it says, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation just means the sacrifice that was laid before the altar for us in our favor. He gave himself for us. But I love the way that John says it here that love is not us loving God, it's God being the initiator. God loved you first. God loved you first and there's nothing that you can do to stop him from loving you. He has already decided about you that he loves you. And there's nothing that you have done or can do that will change his mind about that. His love toward you is something that is not negotiable. It has already been manifested. It's already been extended to you. And that was him being the initiator. And all we're expected to do, all he asks of us, is to reciprocate that love, to, to give it back. Verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And when you and I... You know, when we look at problems around us and relationships and the challenges that we face in our personal life, the challenges that we see, you know, even on the, the macro scale, on a global level, you know, whether it's that big, big scope or right where you live, right at home, 
human problems, when it comes down to it, are love problems. At the root, at the core, somebody is not walking in love. And if somebody had a picture of God's love, received it for themselves, and reciprocated it toward God and, and their fellow man, those problems wouldn't be there anymore. It'd be impossible. Second Corinthians chapter 5, Paul said it this way, verse 14, 2 Corinthians 5, 14, he said, the love of Christ compels us. It compels us. Another translation says it constrains us or it obligates us because we judge thus that if one died for all then all died and he died for all that those who live that's talking about us those who live should live no longer for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again so at the core of human problems is selfishness which is the opposite of love if we walk in love we won't live for ourselves anymore. And love is not bankrupt. I think it was Mother Teresa that said it this way, and I'm loosely paraphrasing. She said, you can just give and give and give because of love, and you find out that when you've given and given and given until there's no more to give, that your hands are still not empty, that there's just more love there to give. You never run out. There's no bottom on that supply. You're never a debtor to anyone when you love them like God loves them. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And he died that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. I remember the testimony of a man in Honduras that received Christ through our ministry. His name was Juan Castro. I've shared this testimony before. But Juan was a man that if you met him before he knew Jesus, you probably wouldn't want to be around him very long. <laughs> he was a, a bitter man, an angry man. He was completely absorbed in himself. He was bound by alcoholism. He was abusive, you know, verbally abusive, just a mean-spirited guy. His wife had tried to get him to church, but he really wasn't interested in it. And over the years of their marriage, I think he had only been in church a handful of times. And he said, you know, I, I would go to church and hear the message, but I never made the connection. I didn't understand who Jesus was or what he wanted from me. Until one day he came to our meeting. Now, Juan was so sick, he was in an advanced stage of diabetes to the extent that the doctors gave him no hope he was so desperate that he'd even tried to take his life on at least one occasion. He was on medication, daily injections of insulin just to manage. And, the, and his body was deteriorating and shutting down. And you know that alcohol and diabetes don't go well together. And so his condition, condition just went from bad to worse. And one day he says, I don't even know how I got there or why I came, but I heard about your meeting and I came to it, and there was about 2,000 people there. He was just one in the crowd. I didn't know any of his story that I just related to you. But I was sharing about the love of Jesus that day. And Juan finally got a picture of who Jesus was. He finally knew who Jesus was and what Jesus wanted from him. And what Jesus wanted from Juan was for him to just open his heart and say yes to the love of God. 
And that's what happened that day. And Juan prayed and he accepted Jesus. He accepted that love for himself. And you know that from that moment, he was instantly healed. He never had to take another injection, never had to take another pill for diabetes. His symptoms completely reversed, cut off, addiction to alcohol totally broken off his life. The bitterness he had in his heart completely healed. And when he came to me two years later and told me his testimony, the, the man had a smile that could fill up the room, one ear to the other. You'd never imagine it was the same person he was talking about. And he, just because of the love that filled him, nobody had to tell him to do this. Just of his own accord, from that moment, he began to share the love of Jesus with people. He'd go back to the diabetic clinic where he was attended before and and the doctor said, please keep coming and praying for the people. They're getting healed. We don't have enough medicine to help these people. But he had faith in Jesus. It was just so simple and logical. He said, well, if Jesus healed me of diabetes, that must mean that he wants to heal everybody that has diabetes. And he started healing the people in the name of Jesus. And then he, he got some food and clothing together that you know, he didn't have a lot of means to do this. But just because his heart was full of God's love, he started going out to the native people of Honduras, the tribal uh, First Nations of Honduras, very poor people, very marginalized, and he was giving them food and clothing and sharing the love of God. And just a few weeks ago, he sent me some pictures on Facebook of him ministering in hospitals and clinics and different places, people that were handicapped and in physical need. And the caption he put down there, he said, this is God's love healing people. And that's what it's all about. God's love does heal us. God's love is the solution for people like Juan, people like us. When we see people that are hurting, love is the answer. And we're not talking about romanticized Western love. We're talking about the real, gritty, powerful, unconquerable love of God. The love that he demonstrated when he sent Jesus to save us. The love that sent Jesus to the cross willingly and he died for those that may have never received that love, maybe never would even say yes, but he was willing to, to offer himself nonetheless. Love is the solution for the human being, the human person. Love is the solution for marriage. You can't have marital problems when two people are walking in love with one another. Unless you're polygamous, then maybe it could happen. But as long as everybody in that marriage will assume two, a man and a woman, as long as they're both walking in God's kind of love, there can't be any strife, there can't be any selfishness, there can't be any seeking our own, there can't be any divorce when two people walk in that kind of love. It's the solution for the marriage. It's the solution for the family where parents truly and only seek the good of their children, where they don't push them to accomplish because they themselves are unfulfilled, because they feel like they missed out on their opportunities. And so they push and press with this unhealthy ambition to get their kids to be better and stronger and never good enough. That can't happen where love exists. There can't be a child, a young person that rebels against their parents' authority if they have a true love for their parents and a true honor like God requires. There can't be a society where 
rival factions fight and, and seek their own advantage and speak ill of one another and, and riot and pillage to have their way and to have their so-called rights. Love serves, love gives, love demonstrates. Love is an example. Where there's love, there can be no abuse. Where there's love, there can't be any neglect. Love doesn't abandon a child in need. Love, where there's love, there can't be absenteeism with fathers. Where there's love, there can't be divorce. Where people have love and they sense that love, there can't be suicide. There cannot be discord or strife. In fact, the Bible tells you where there's love, there can't even be sin there. Romans 13 says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, verse 10. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. All of God's righteous requirements, all of everything that God requires because of who he is, and he wants us to reflect that, if we walk in love, we'll fulfill all of that. It's not a list. It's not a list of requirements. It's you having God's heart on the inside of you and living that out with the people around you. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. St. Augustine said this, love and do what you please. Now that's a license. Some people could say that, oh wow, love and do what you please so I can do whatever I want. Well, yes, you can, but you have to do the first part that he talked about, which is to love first. Love won't do anything that will harm. Love won't do anything that will take advantage. Love won't do anything that will make a person vulnerable. You know, in, the, in our society today, and this is just an example, you know, there's this idea that if you quote unquote love a person, that you'll demonstrate that through sexual relations, even outside of marriage. But love, true love, God's kind of love would never do that because that would take advantage of somebody else because that would potentially cause a child to be born outside of the loving home that God wants that child to have. True love would never do that. True love would do what Christine and I did, which was wait. And it was not easy, but it was what love does. And I don't have any regrets about that. Maybe that hasn't been your story. Maybe that's not your story today, but you know what? God's love can make you get a fresh start. And you can start fresh in any area of your life. Whatever, whatever area you look at and you say, you know what? I need God's love to invade that thing and make it right. God's love makes wrong things right. And it heals and it makes things good again. You know, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The gospel is the message that God loves people. That he's not their problem, he's their answer. Love is what fuels our witness. It's not hard to be a witness of Jesus when you just let love do the work. There's no secret to it. There's no great big strategy. There's no step one through three. It's just loving people like God loves them. 
in allowing them to get into your heart and they'll let you get in their heart and, and then God can do a work in them, amen? Love cares, love goes. Love reaches out, love labors, love endures. Love gives, and the Bible says love never fails, amen? So we're talking about something that's so awesome, and it's for you today. Would you stand with me today? I want to pray for you. Let's bow our heads. Maybe you're here today and you've never even accepted that love for yourself. You've never been born again. What do I mean by that? The Bible tells us that sin, our condition of sin, separated us from God, but God loved us so much he didn't want to leave us in our sin. And he, he himself provided the solution for that problem, which was his son. He came from, from God, became human, retaining his, his divinity, but fully human, lived in our condition apart from sin, gave himself as the sacrifice on the cross, was killed for you and for me, buried, and on the third day by the power of God, rose from the dead. And he lives today to prove to you that your sins don't have to separate you from God. He lives today to prove that he has life, God's kind of life, to give to you so that you can be restored, so you don't have to walk in darkness, that you can have the light of life, Jesus said. And that is a gift. The Bible says that we don't earn it. It says, by, faith, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not of works, so that nobody can boast, nobody can brag and say, look what I did. It's a completely unmerited gift, but he wants you to have it today. So if you're here today, I don't know everybody that's here. Many of us have already made that, that choice to open our life up to God's love. But if you haven't and you want to, I just want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you or anything. I just want to know if there's anybody here like that that would say, Michael, I want you to help me to receive Jesus today. If that's you, just raise your hand up. Maybe there's somebody here that because of some choices you've made, you felt distance from God. But I've got good news for you. God is still right there with you. He's not abandoned you. He wants you to turn to him and not run from him. He's your answer. He's your solution. He wants to bring healing where there's been hurt. And only he can do it. If you're there and you, you say, I want to rededicate my life. I want to... I want to turn toward God. I've been, I've been kind of going the wrong way, but I know that God's with me and his love is for me and I want to turn to him as my father. Just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. If there's anybody like that. Well, I don't see any hands, so that's, that's good news. That means you all know him. Let's pray together. Just say with me, Father God, I've gotten a picture of your love today. I pray that you'd continue to unveil your love to me. And as I receive it, I want to be a channel of that love so that people around me can know how much you love them. When people come in contact with me, I want them to be, to be better than they were when they, when they leave from me. If they come broken, I want them to leave restored. 
If they come in pain, I want them to leave healed. Only your love can do that. Make me an instrument of your love and let it bring glory to Jesus. I thank you for it in his name. Amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.